Thanks to the generous and sacrificial donations of churches, our team here in Seville has been able to continue sharing the gospel with so many Spaniards, even during this pandemic. Although we spent the beginning of 2020 doing much of the ministry through Zoom and other online platforms, we were able to hit the ground running once the lockdown was lifted. Our team hosts regular events and activities for those interested in spiritual topics. We've seen record numbers of attendance at many of our gatherings. We also pray, seek, and invite people to join us in hopeful expectation that they might be open to hearing or studying the Word of God with us. Within just a month of the lockdown ending, we have two brand new Bible studies with Spaniards happening each week. We pray that these Bible studies will be the foundation for the very first evangelical church in this area of Seville, a city with less than 1% of the population claiming to be evangelical believers. With these dark times upon us, urgency to reach people with the good news of Jesus Christ has only multiplied. We ask that you guys prayerfully consider giving the Lion Moon Christmas offering this year. This will help us to continue to reach more people with the gospel of Jesus here in Spain and also allow other missionaries all around the world to share the good news of Jesus. Thank, Thank you! Love that family. That's the Ford family, Rusty and Jennifer. Last year, they flew in for Christmas and our church was able to basically uh, reimburse them for their plane tickets and their car rental while they were here and uh, bless them to get back to Seville, uh, Spain, so that they could share the gospel there. Love Rusty and Jennifer and they have two sons, Levi and Hudson, and two daughters, Scarlett and Julia, and that's a precious family sharing Jesus in Seville. Now, as we think about the different aspects and the different places of the world, there are different languages and there are different cultures and there are different customs and there are different tastes in food and styles and music and different dress and the different history. But all nations and all people in all the world have one need, and that is the need for a savior. The French mathematician and philosopher Blaise Pascal put it this way, there is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of each man, which cannot be satisfied by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus Christ. As this philosopher, and if you are familiar with uh, Pascal uh, and, and the calculus that goes with that, we, we think of this guy coming and saying, look, everybody has this hole in their life, their hole in their heart that can only be filled by one. And we look around the world and so many people are trying to say, if I can just be religious or if I can just be nice or if I can just be sincere or if I can just have this kind of sacrifice and do this kind of devoted thing, then I'm going to be okay. And yet the scripture makes it very clear that it is through Jesus alone that we find salvation. And that message of salvation is for all people. So today we're thinking about being thankful for Jesus, who is a savior of all people. So take your Bibles and we're going to look at a very familiar passage this morning as we look at the Christmas story in Luke chapter 2, beginning in verse number 8. Luke 2, 8. It says, now there were in the same country Shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. 
And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said uh, to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem to see this thing which the Lord has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now, when they had seen him, they made him widely known. Uh, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning the child. And all those who heard it marveled. They marveled at those things which were told by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen as it was told them. And with that, let's pray. God, would you speak to us today and Lord, just confirm the message of Jesus in our hearts and challenge us to share the message of Jesus with others. In your name we pray. Amen. I, I love the Gospel of Luke. We love the Gospel of Luke so much, actually, we named our oldest son Luke. But specifically when it comes to the birth narratives of Jesus, we really get more details from the Gospel of Luke than anywhere else. It is only Luke that tells us about the angel visiting Zacharias and then saying that you are going to bear, bear a son, and that is going to be the forerunner, John the Baptist. So Zacharias and Elizabeth then are pregnant with John the Baptist when the angel comes to Mary, recorded in the Gospel of Luke, and says, Mary, you are highly favored, and God's going to work in you, and you're going to bring forth the son. And, and we get that detail. And then Mary is so excited that she goes to see Elizabeth. And remember, this story again is an account in Luke that when Mary gets to Elizabeth, that John the Baptist leaps in her womb. But then it is only Luke that tells us specifically about the evening where Jesus was born. It tells us that there was a census in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 1 that was taken while Quirinius was the governor, and this census required that Mary and Joseph leave their uh, leave from Nazareth to come down into Bethlehem. So that then, it tells us in Luke 2, 7, that when she was there, the time was, was completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son. So so we see the birth of Jesus taking place. And then we jump into the picture of where we picked up reading today. That there are shepherds outside of the fields of Bethlehem, outside of the city in the fields. And there they are watching over their sheep. And an angel comes and speaks and shares with them the good news about Jesus. Jesus didn't come just for royalty. He didn't come just for the rich. Matter of fact, this first picture 
of the angel announcing this to the shepherds reminds us that Jesus came for everybody. That if Jesus would come and speak to the angel, uh, the angels would come and speak to the shepherds, then that's good enough for all of us. As we think about the Savior came for all people, we think about the appearance of the angels to the shepherds. The angels appear, or the angel appeared to the shepherds. Now, you have to know some things about shepherds, and I actually even study now, and I've studied the birth narratives of Jesus for, for many years, but as we think about shepherding in this day, it was really something that was looked down upon. This was not the kind of job that you wanted. Matter of fact, remember in, in Genesis chapter 4 when Cain and Abel are born? Cain becomes a tiller of the field, and the second born gets to be the shepherd. The first one was the prize son. He got the best job. He got to be the guy who, who planted and took care of the crops. And the second brother got to do the worst job. He got to take care of the sheep. Matter of fact, in this day, in Jesus' day, shepherds were looked down upon so much that the Talmud, which is part of the religious uh, readings of the Jewish people, gave the picture that shepherds were like heathen and that shepherds' testimony would not be even allowed in a court of that day. This is how much they were looked down upon. Matter of fact, I read one writer this week, and this was the first time I read this. He said that shepherds had a problem telling the difference between mine and thine. In other words, I think that the shepherds were kings of the five-finger discount. That's the picture that we get. They had a hard time telling of the difference between of what was what was mine and what was thine, what was mine and what's theirs. They, they would help themselves to, to other people. So that's the picture of the reputation of the shepherds. And yet, the angels came and appeared to the shepherds, the outcasts of society, the guys that lived out, you know, and packed their tents and stayed out with the sheep. And that's, a matter of fact, what they were doing. It was just another regular night. They probably, you know, pitched their tents and put up their campfire and, you know, got their beans and their biscuits and, and they were settling in for the night, just like they had done week after week, year after year. But this time, the angel shows up. And the angel shows up with good news. Don't you find it interesting that these were the despised of the culture, and yet God would pick shepherds from throughout history to be used by him in a special way. I mentioned Abel, as mentioned in Hebrews chapter 11. He was a shepherd. Moses was a shepherd. David was a shepherd. The prophet Amos was a shepherd. So though they may have been outcast of society and looked down upon by others, God would take these that were looked down upon, these that were frowned upon in culture and say, these are the very ones that I'm going to reveal the truth of my son to. And so the angel shows up to the shepherds. One other interesting note about the shepherds is that remember, Bethlehem and Jerusalem are not too far from each other. Bethlehem is just on the suburbs of Jerusalem. Matter of fact, a year ago, uh, just a year and a half ago, had the opportunity to go down into Bethlehem uh, as we left Jerusalem and traveling through Israel. The reality is, is that these shepherds that were watching over the sheep were most likely watching over the sheep that would become 
the sacrifices for sins that were offered in the temple in Jerusalem. So here we have the angel saying and showing that the Lamb of God who's going to take away the sins of the world is showing up to the guys watching the very lambs that will be taken and slaughtered as a sacrifice for sins. And it's interesting also that Jesus would compare himself and say, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. The angel's appearance to the shepherd. But then we see the angel's message to the shepherd. The angel shows up and says, you know, fear not. Don't be afraid. Now, listen, they've been out in the woods, or been out in the, in the fields a lot of times as they have watched their flocks. And the angel showing up in this bright light and this guy coming out of nowhere and, and descending upon. And he says, hey, don't be afraid. These guys are probably terrified at this point. But he says this, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. The angel's message was a good message. He says, I bring you good tidings. That phrase, bring good tidings, is the word from which we get our word evangelism today or evangelize. He's saying, I'm bringing the good news. I have something to share with you. That's his message. This is a good message. It is a good message that is going to impact and change your life and the life of hundreds of thousands of millions throughout the world. It's a good message. The good message is, I bring you good tidings of great joy. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. It's a good message because it shows us who Jesus is. He is the Savior, He is Christ, He is Lord. He is the Savior because all of us have thought something, said something, or done something that has been on our own way and in our own way selfishness and apart from God's will. And because we've broken God's laws and done something, I've said something and thought things that are, that have broken God's laws, then we're disqualified from a perfect heaven with a perfect God. But God says, I bring you good news. There's a Savior coming. There's one who can save you from your sins, save you from your punishment, save you from separation from God. He is the Savior. He is Christ. That gives a picture of his office. He is the anointed one. He is the Messiah. And he is the Lord. That gives a picture of his rank. In Revelation chapter 19 and verse number 16, Jesus is there coming in uh, to, to uh, on a white horse to rule and reign. And it says, on his robe is written the name King of kings and Lord of lords. It reminds us that Jesus is above all, that he has all authority in heaven and in earth, that Jesus is Lord, so that Paul would write to the church at Philippi in Philippians chapter 2 and verse number 10 and say this, that one day every knee is going to bow and every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus is Lord. Now, I was reading uh, social media the other day and somebody was complaining because someone else in their neighborhood put up Christmas lights and they were writing and saying, don't you know and understand that everyone doesn't celebrate Christmas and not everyone believes like you believe and blah, 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 blah. Can I tell you, one day everyone will believe. One day every knee will bow. One day every tongue will confess. One day everyone will say, Jesus is Lord. We may have held on to our ism. We may have 
just tried to, to live by a, a good life and a good standard and do all these good things. But the truth of the matter is there is only one way that is the way that is paved to heaven and salvation, and that is through Jesus alone. As the apostles Peter and John would preach in Acts chapter 4 and verse number 12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It tells us who Jesus is, but then it told them where Jesus is. This is a good message because we're telling you Jesus is the Savior. He is Christ the Lord. And let me tell you where he is. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. He's in Bethlehem. Just as the prophet had prophesied in Micah chapter 5 in verse number 2, where it says in this prophet hundreds of years before Jesus would come, would say, Bethlehem Ephratah, though you be little, a little city, a little known place in, in all of those in Judah, yet out of you shall come a ruler whose goings forth have been from eternity or who is eternal. The picture is, is that Jesus was going to step into humanity in the person of, 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 of that, that Jesus the Son was stepping into humanity but that he was ever existent, pre-existent. He was there at the creation of the world, as Colossians 1, Colossians 1 reminds us. In him all things were created. The picture is, is now I want you to go see him. He is in Bethlehem, the city of David. And this is the sign. You go, you'll find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. It was a good message. It was a good message. It tells you who Jesus is and where Jesus is. But not only was it a good message, it was a global message. It was a global message. He, he tells them, for unto you is born this day. Or he says, behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David. He says, I've got good news for all people, not just for some, not just for a segment, for all the world. Jesus has come to seek and save all. So that our friends Rusty and Jennifer Ford in Seville, Spain, as they share the gospel there with less than 1% evangelical in that city. Though it's a large city and though that's a, a large nation, we find that there are not many who have professed Jesus as their savior. But did you know that there are missionaries today that are in the far away and hidden places of the world? Jesus came for all, not just those in the cities. But he came for those that are in such out-of-the-way places that you may never even know they exist. Watch this video, and it'll give you a little picture about where some of our missionaries are. We have certain stories in the New Testament, like the parable of the lost sheep, where you leave 99 to go find the one. And so God doesn't forsake that one lost sheep. You have these small micro-people groups where the gospel has not flowed yet because of geography, because of distance, because of cost, because of uh, culture, because of racism. I really feel that these micro-peoples are part of his heart to go after all the sheep, to go after that remnant. In the Amazon, you can go a day without seeing another living soul, which is kind of freaky. But a lot of the reason why you can't see people is because they're hidden. These are hidden peoples, small in population, widely dispersed. They have centuries of a bloody history where they've been exploited. They're animists. They believe in spirits. When you live that way, you tend to be dominated by fear. I see marginalized people. I see forgotten people. I see invisible people that are in desperate need of the gospel. 
The area is massive. And so to get from where I live, which is already a jungle city, I have to get into a land plane and fly to another port city. And then the next day, we'd get in a boat. And in this slow boat, we travel sometimes three days to get to where we're going. Because we're going into areas where the gospel's not, sometimes it just takes time. But recently, we have noticed just God opening some doors. God has been working to send out missionaries, indigenous men and women, where there's no evangelical presence. A well-trained and called indigenous man will be much more effective. They tend to be able to get into hard-reach areas without government restrictions. You have fewer language limitations. A lot of my work is training them. So if I want to teach an indigenous man how to do storying, he has to see me do it first. Then after a while of walking alongside, he's very capable at that point. One partner in particular, he wants to go work with a group that has killed outsiders that have walked in. He's like, I don't care. God's telling me to go do it. And this is such a, a 180 from most indigenous culture that you have to look at him and say, God brought this change to this man. You see families coming to Christ. You do see village headmans getting permission to come in. It really confirms everything that we're out there to do, to go out and make disciples of all nations. When we have those things happen, we sit back and go, okay, this is what it's all about. They can go and they can teach others, and those people can teach others. I want to see this momentum like a wave through the jungle where I can say, look, I didn't see it happen. I wasn't there, but I know the gospel has reached these dark corners. When supporters of the Lottie Moon Christmas offering gives, it allows us to do things like buy an outboard motor that gets us upriver, to get equipment that we need to help us stay out there in the jungle. I've been supported by Lottie Moon. Y'all's generosity is, is a luxury that I never want to take for granted. So I want to say thank you for that. God is faithful in the hard times as he is in the good times, and our mandate doesn't change. These people groups in the jungle, you could be born, live, and die without ever hearing the name of our Savior. So someone has to go, because if we don't go, no one's going to go. If we don't train people to go, no one's going to go. It's worth it. A global message. We move from Spain to St. Charles down to the Amazon and think, there are people who need Jesus. And he came to bring good tidings of great joy to all people. It was a good message and a global message, but this is a glorious message. Look down at Luke chapter 2 and verse number 14. As the angel begins to explain, he says, Now then a multitude of heavenly hosts show up and they begin to say, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. The picture is, is a twofold sermon. Praise God. Peace can be experienced on earth. Praise God, we can experience peace. And if you know the true God who saves and has come in the person of Christ to restore us from sin, then you can experience his peace. This is the message. The angel came and shared this message. And the Bible shows this message that the Savior came from, for all people. But not only do we see that, then we see not only should the, that the Savior came for all people, but that the Savior should be shared with all people. Remember, the angels, uh, as, as they have cried out, 
Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. And then they're gone. And in verse number 15, it says that that they began to, to go and they made haste to see what was going on here and, and figuring out, wow, what, what, is just, what has just happened? Or verse 16, they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Let us go and then they see. You know, I think too many people think that once you've come to meet Jesus personally, that your spiritual life is over. I've been saved. That's good. Or some say, man, I've been saved and now I've taken that next step of obedience and I've been baptized and that's good. But that's not where it ends. That's where it starts. That's where the purpose and passion for our life begins. For Jesus said that that he has come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. If God just wanted us to go to heaven, he could take us to heaven right from our baptism. But the truth is, is that God wants to do a work in us now so that we have part in sharing the message of Jesus with the world around us. Notice down with me in Luke chapter 2 and verse number 17. Now, when they had seen him, they made him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. The shepherds shared their experience. They shared. They went with excitement. And notice the response. The people, it says in verse number 18, they marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. You saw what? You heard what? You good tidings of great joy, all people, a savior, Christ, the Lord. You've seen him. This is the one We're we're amazed. We're overwhelmed. Now, we don't know how people responded, but the picture is, is that the shepherds were obedient to share what they had experienced in their life. They shared. That was their call. They shared. And they also set an example for us. That is example is, is once we come to know Jesus, we need to be on that sharing side. I, I realize that doesn't mean that you have to stand up and preach. But notice what happens. It tells us that Mary treasured all these things in her heart. But then notice that that last verse that we looked at in verse number 20. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen. What did they do? They returned. They went back to work. They went back to work. It would be for us today, I've received Jesus. Now I'm going off to my school or I'm going off to my workplace or I'm going into my neighborhood with this message and testimony of what Jesus has done for me and the difference that Jesus has made in me. He's saying, look, we we received and we've met Jesus. Now we're just going to take this attitude that people need Jesus. They need to hear the story around us and we're going to carry it. And so that's why we support what is called and what you've seen on the videos as the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. Lottie Moon was a missionary. She began to serve in the late 1800s in China, and for 40 years she served, and ultimately gave her life. She was so unhealthy, they put her on a boat to come back, and she died on Christmas Day. And so we take the Lottie Moon Christmas offering in honor and just in memory of this woman who spent 40 years in China 
sharing the gospel with people, literally giving of her own food when she didn't eat enough. And we take this offering that says we want to have a part in missions and making sure that there is good tidings of great joy for all people. Did you hear him say that in the Amazon there are people who throughout their whole earthly life never hear the name of Jesus? One of the things that we do is we collect uh, our missions offering uh, weekly so that we support Lottie Moon. And that money doesn't go to administrative costs for missionaries. This money goes to straight to the field to help with with. Uh, as they said, a, a boat motor or to help with a boat or to to help with evangelism supplies or to help provide Bibles. It goes there. And so so right now, as we think about this missions offering in this time of the year, we have over twenty two thousand dollars that is going to our our Lottie Moon offering. And every week as people give to the missions offering that's noted again on the offering envelope that we're not using right now, but it's online as well. We have a church partnership in Haiti, and we have friends that are missionaries in, uh, in Brazil and Chile and uh, down through the Latin American countries and, and all throughout the world. We, we find that we, as Southern Baptists, come alongside 3,500 plus missionaries to share the message of Jesus. But then as a church, we partner with Pastor Harry and Haiti, and we partner with Hoenas. We think about orphan kids in India, and we partner with Chip Holmes up in South Dakota, and we partner with Evan Skelton at Bayless Baptist and Michael Bird at Faith Community Bible here in the city. Why? Because we want people to know. We want people to hear the message of the gospel. Yesterday, I shared with you, we had 91 families come through to receive food. That's important. It's a way to share the message of Jesus with, with others. This year, uh, we've given through our cooperative program over $136,000 uh, just in that area of supporting our seminaries and supporting mission work here in St. Louis area and, and, and in Missouri and throughout our nation. Lots of money going out to encourage and support missions throughout the world. I think I shared with you earlier uh, a few weeks back that, that even in our own community, helping and encouraging those that work in the hospital and first responders and delivered over 1,500 Chick-fil-A sandwiches and 60 dozen Krispy Kreme donuts and 500 sausage McMuffins. Why? Because we want the message of Jesus to go out to the world. This is good tidings of great joy for all people. So that involves all of us as praying and giving. But haste, we just stop at praying and giving. Maybe some of you, God's calling to go. Maybe for some of you, God is going to raise you up and call you to the mission field. Maybe as a missionary in a traditional sense that goes as a preacher and teacher, but maybe some in the business world or some as teachers, God pick you up and say, look, I, I have a calling on your life that's, that's 
beyond that border of comfort in which you now live. Maybe for some of you, that doesn't mean that you vocationally pack up and go, but maybe the picture is, is for you, next time we pick up and we go on a trip internationally, you go. One of the disappointments of this year is Stan and I were going to go on a vision trip to Seville uh, this year. And obviously with COVID, things are shut down. But maybe in the quietness of the shutdown, you would just, in the submission of your heart, say, Lord, I'm willing. I'm willing. As we think about our world, there are missionaries even today that are putting their life on the line and serving in very difficult and dangerous areas. There are those that are in Middle East and Asian countries that every day that they seek to profess the name of Jesus, they're putting their life on the line. And when someone comes to trust Jesus as their Savior, they're putting their life on the line. But they still go and they still share and they still preach and disciple and they still baptize new believers with the danger of having their physical life killed, but with the hope of knowing Jesus is in my heart. I want to share one other short video of Southeast Asia, and we see the difficulty of sharing Jesus in a predominantly Muslim world. When you have been told from the time that you're born that Jesus is not God, the Bible's corrupted, and to follow Jesus is to commit blasphemy and you're going to be turned away from your family, that's a whole other task. And so we're going to the tip of the spear because we're getting to people that have only heard lies of Jesus. They've heard his name, but they've been told lies about him and to reject and to not listen. What we do, it's very hard. It takes a lot of time and a lot of sacrifice on a lot of areas. But when you see someone get it, when you see them come from darkness to light, and they literally know that their life is forever changed, and no matter what persecution or whatever happens, that they're with Christ, that they're His for eternity, that's worth it. God sees the bigger picture, or maybe Someone in our work sees one or two Muslims come to Christ after three or four years. But God takes those two or three and snowballs. We've seen Muslims hear the gospel and, and be baptized and follow and be strong lights. Christ says to pray for the Lord of the harvest because the harvest is plentiful but the workers are few. Then Jesus tells them, now go. I think don't people, they kind of stop it. We're going to pray for the workers. But then Jesus says, yeah, you're going to pray for workers, but go. Revelation is guaranteeing us as well as saying, hey, all people will have representatives before the throne. We want to see Southern Baptists love Jesus, love his word, and give sacrificially to Lottie Moon Christmas offering so that the gospel can go to the ends of the earth and even specifically to the large Muslim groups like I work with. We're serving at the tip of the spear. In 1956, I know that was a long time ago for many of you,
For some of you, it don't seem like it was so far, far away. A man named Jim Elliott gave his life seeking and sharing the gospel with the Aka Indians down in a remote area like the Amazon that we looked at earlier. And now this man says, we're still serving at the tip of the spear, seeking to share the message of Jesus with all people. God calls us to the nations. But can I tell you, God calls us to our neighborhoods, to our workplaces, to our schools, to make a difference, to shine the light, and to share the message of Jesus. Aren't you thankful that the shepherds didn't just go back and say, kind of cool, kind of neat. We got to see something really special tonight, guys. Let's just keep this between ourselves. Let's not to have that kind of attitude. But maybe like the shepherds, we could make widely known the Jesus that we have experienced. And maybe others will marvel at the difference he's made in our life.